Hi everybody, my name is Cora Gavitt, and I'm here to talk to you guys about the pharmacogenetics of substance use disorder, and primarily the treatment of this disorder, and how genetics may play a more significant role in treatment um, than is recognized today. So let's start off by answering the question, um, what exactly is substance use disorder? A lot of people use the term substance use, abuse, addiction, um, interchangeably, but these definitions um, sort of put the onus of the disorder on the individual, confining it to more of a personal choice rather than a disorder um, where they may or may not have full control of the presentation or direction of the illness. Personally, I consider substance use disorder, or SUD, uh, which is how I'm going to refer to it probably going forward, as more along the lines of like a traditional medical disorder. Um, for example, most of us can recognize that both genetic and environmental factors influence diseases um, such as diabetes. However, the same identification seems to be forgotten, um, but is no less significant in the development of SUD, mostly due to the stigma that surrounds it. Um, this stigma, unfortunately, prevents progress around many mental health disorders. Um, and this stigma is by no means the meat and potatoes, uh, so to speak, of the podcast. Um, it's certainly important in the discussion because most of what I'll be talking about is pharmacologic treatment based on genetic variation, which supports that genetic factors influence not only treatment of SUD, but possibly um, and probably the development of it. So I implore you to, um, if mental health or substance use disorder is not your forte or interest, to try to keep an open mind surrounding it so that it can be effectively treated um, and perhaps prevented in the future. Uh, so kind of back, uh, going back to the definition here, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, 5th edition, uh, which is more commonly referred to as the DSM-5, no longer uses terms like substance abuse or dependence, and rather refers to substance use disorders, um, which are then further categorized by severity, mild, moderate, or severe. Whether the substance disorder is mild, moderate, severe, um, is based on the number of diagnostic criteria that are met by the individual themselves. So substance use disorder occurs when the recurrent use of alcohol um, and or drugs causes clinically and functionally significant impairment, which includes health problems, disability, failure to meet responsibilities at the home, work, or school, um, and is based on evidence of impaired control, uh, meaning you want to stop but can't, social impairment, risky use, and pharmacological criteria. Overall, substance use disorder can be characterized by the presence of psychological and physical symptoms of cravings, inability to control use, and increased tolerance to the substance. Uh, so most people can recognize the connection between SUD and genetic predisposition. Uh, studies dating back decades which continue to stand true with current research, recognize that SUD clusters within families, um, and that there are genetic and environmental influences which contribute to the development of SUD. But it's the classic conflict of um, nature versus nurture here on whether the balance is more towards genetics or environment. Um, but if we can hone in on how these genetic influences may work, uh, we might be able to help in a more significant and prolonged way for individuals and families suffering with SUD. So, SUD is a hugely relevant topic today, um, with a 
with approximately 147 million cases of alcohol and or drug-related disorders reported globally back in 2010. This number continues to grow in size and in burden. Um, in the U.S. alone, 24.6 million people over the age of 12 were alcohol, tobacco, or illicit drug users in 2013. And it is estimated that the cost of use is, a, is about $122 billion a year in the U.S., um, which accounts for lost productivity and time. These figures represent the kind of overarching impacts of SUD, um, but let's not forget that the individual personal and social impacts of SUD um, are there as well. These growing figures um, definitely indicate a need for more precise therapies for treatment, recovery, and prevention. Um, pharmacogenomics can be a helpful tool in this endeavor. Um, so just, I'm sure we all know, but pharmacogenomics um, considers how genetic variations in individuals and in groups or populations um, impacts response to medications. Um, so pharmacogenomics can help understand how certain drugs are likely to work within certain populations of people um, with the same polymorphic variations identifying and hopefully preventing adverse effects while developing more effective pharmacologic therapy models um, while also increasing compliance. All right, so um, we're gonna dive into it. So research has uncovered a handful of polymorphisms of pul uh, multiple genes, which impacts the efficacy of pharmacotherapy for alcohol, opioid, and cocaine substance use disorders. The foundation to why these variations impact drug therapy relies on the dopaminergic pathway um, so dopamine is released in anticipation of reward, and this is what is released after the use of drugs of abuse. Over time, continuous drug use lowers dopamine receptor availability um, and stimulates dopamine release, increasing dopamine levels above the typical basal levels, um, which is what leads to cravings, increased tolerance, um, and therefore kind of the overall dependence cycle. It is important um, to point out though, that not all drugs of addiction evoke the same dopaminergic processes or effects. Uh, some act on other processes such as opioinergic and serotonergic pathways. So those require additional research um, into those kind of specific gene, gene variations in their relationship with therapy. Um, so for this podcast, I will limit my discussion to the dopaminergic pathway um, and substance use disorder specific to alcohol, cocaine, and opioids. So the dopaminergic genes that are the main focus of attention for SUD in pharmacogenomic targeted therapy are dopamine receptor D2 or DRD2, um, which is the gene associated with cocaine, alcohol, and opioid substance use disorder. Um, and then you have anchorin, repeat, and kinase domain containing one or ANKK1, which is also associated with cocaine, alcohol, and opioids. And we have dopamine transporter 1 or DAT1 gene and SLC6A3, which are associated with alcohol. We have dopamine beta hydroxylase or DBH, which is associated with alcohol and opioids. And dopamine receptor D4, DRD4, which is associated with alcohol. Um, I know that that is a lot of information and I will do my absolute best not to throw too many abbreviations or like sounding words at you. Um, but the point that I'm trying to make is that there are a handful of dopaminergic genes that have a variant or two associated with them, which then impacts pharmacologic treatment of SUD. Um, so for example, dopamine receptor D2 or DRD2 
is a gene which has a few specific variations or polymorphisms, which then influences the treatment of alcohol, cocaine, opioid substance use disorders. Um, and those variations affect whether or not drug therapy is effective at all or the degree of effectiveness. The ANKK1 gene polymorphisms um, are one of the most examined genetic variants studied in connection with SUD and other psychiatric disorders. These variants have been found to be associated with reduced dopamine receptor density and increased rate of substance dependency to cocaine, alcohol, and opioids. DAT1 gene um, mediates the reuptake of dopamine from synapses. There can be a variable number tandem repeat on this gene, which alters gene expression and is associated with multiple disorders um, related to dopamine, including alcoholism, ADHD, schizophrenia, and Parkinson's disease. The DBH gene um, regulates the metabolism of dopamine into norepinephrine. DBH is the enzyme which accounts for this metabolism. Um, DBH is mostly found within synaptic vesicles, but is, um, but some is found free and can be measured in serum and cerebral spinal fluid. So significant variation of DBH levels in individuals is due to a single polymorphism, which is associated with alcoholism in females and heroin use. The DRD4 gene can have a variable number tandem repeat, which can be two, four, or seven or more repeats long. Carriers of the seven or more repeats have a greater urge to drink and lower subjective high than others with fewer repeats. And longer repeats are thought to contribute to individual subjective sensitivity to drugs and increased urge to use. Um, okay, so I'll now talk about uh, specific medications used to treat various substance use disorders um, and how they are impacted by these genetic variations. I won't go into depth on the specific variations of polymorphisms. They're named um, seemingly by random number and letters <laughs> strung together, and it'd be very confusing to talk through in a way that would be palatable, um, but I'll refer back to the gene itself. Um, so for example, I'll say a polymorphism of the ANKK1 gene. Um, so first we will discuss uh, bromocryptine, which is a dopamine receptor D2 agonist and is used primarily in the treatment of Parkinsonian syndrome, uh, but is also used in alcohol substance use disorder because those with this disorder have decreased DRD2 receptor sensitivity and bromocryptine helps decrease withdrawal symptoms by activating DRD2 receptors. Um, those who carry a specific polymorphism on their ANKK1 gene show a greater reduction in self-reported alcohol cravings and anxiety um, and this was found during a six-week random double-blind study. Next, we have the cocaine vaccine, which prior to this research, I had no idea it existed. Um, this vaccine provides anti-cocaine antibodies um, in approximately 40% of patients. And these antibodies do not allow cocaine to enter the brain um, via the bloodstream. And in a double-blind 16-week study, um, they found that those with low the low DBH level variant had a greater reduction in cocaine use following the vaccine. Disulfiram um, has been used to treat alcohol use disorder since the 1950s, since the 1950s, um, by causing negative symptoms, um, which are like flushing, nausea, vertigo, uh, with concurrent alcohol consumption. Um, Disulfiram also inhibits DBH, uh, which if you recall, DBH converts dopamine into norepinephrine, um, so dopamine levels increase, which could aid in reducing cravings. 
Diselfram also has been shown to decrease cocaine use in those with normal DBH levels, uh, meaning no genetic vari variant of the gene, um, but not in those with the variant causing low DBH levels. Uh, those with a specific polymorphism on the ANKK1 gene also show decreased subjective cocaine use in research. Olanzapine um, is a second generation dopamine D2 receptor and serotonergic type 2 receptor antagonist. Um, it's used primarily for schizophrenia and mania-related bipolar. However, um, in a 2003 study, it was found to help treat alcohol substance use disorder by diminishing cravings in those with a seven or more tandem repeat variation on their DRD4 gene. Next, we have tiopride, um, which is a selective dopamine receptor D2 and D3 ad antagonist used for alcohol substance use disorder by decreasing anxiety and withdrawal symptoms. In a study uh, found that a genotype variant on the DRD2 gene required lower doses of triopride to treat withdrawal symptoms, um, and patients reported less anxiety and depression at point of administration in two weeks following therapy. Next, we have um, levodopa and carbidopa, which are drugs used to treat Parkinson's disease. Um, however, in a 12-week random double-blind study, those with a low DBH expression genotype had decreased cocaine-positive urine samples, or more decreased cocaine-positive urine samples when compared to the placebo-treated subjects with the same genotype. Naltrexone um, is also used to treat alcohol use disorder. Carriers of some polymorphisms on specific opioid receptor genes and those with a specific DAT1 tandem repeat variation were found to respond better to treatment, um, and this is by self-reported reduced drinking. And then lastly, uh, we will discuss methadone, which is used to treat opioid substance use disorder and is the most common pharmacotherapy for opioid maintenance therapy in the U.S. The effectiveness of treatment may vary by the presence of variations on the DRD2 gene. Some variations require higher or lower doses of methadone for adequate treatment and sustained abstinence from opioid use. The study which determined this also used a proportional odds regression analysis, which considered liver function, height, weight, and HIV infection of the participants. Um, and the researchers found five genetic variants um, were correlated with optimal methadone dosing, indicating a potential polygenic effect of pharmacotherapy. So throughout my research, um, I found that there are many genetic variations which contribute to the efficacy of substance use disorder treatment. However, I found that the research um, was lacking overall because most of the studies um, that I found had small sample sizes, they had short study durations, they were predominantly male samples, and there was little ethnic diversity within the sample. Um, and many used subjective or self-reported information as their findings. Um, and only a few, specifically the, the cocaine um, substance use disorder ones, they used urine samples, um, which were objective, but most was a subjective did you drink or did you not? Did you have cravings? Did you not? Um, so in order to have a true impact um, on the treatment of substance use disorder, more research is absolutely necessary. Um, more research on pharmacogenomics, certainly, um, which includes other serotonergic and opioidergic pathways um, and how those variations affect outcomes of therapy. Um, 
but that's really all I got. So thank you guys for listening.